Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. So, um, but it is, it's an honor to be here and to minister the Word of God. And, you know, each, each time I get an opportunity to do this, it's really with one goal in mind. And, um, you know, it's, it's to minister to you. And um, the subject that we're going to talk about this morning, as you can see, the title is Living Undistracted. Now, something about my titles that I have to mention, um, it's kind of a running joke between Pastor Jared and I. And first of all, I do want, you know, between Pastor Jared and Pastor Donnie, they give me a hard time quite often, but I do want to preface my sermon by saying I'm the only one that gets to shave my head for fun. Um, so uh, they, they, they have to shave their head because they're losing it. I get to shave my head just because I want to. So anyways, um, you know, anytime I preach, Pastor Jared said, hey, keep the title under 20 words or less, please. And because um, I guess one time I had a really long title and he, by by time I ended the title, you forgot what the beginning of the title was. So, so this morning I kept it simple and it's living undistracted. And I'm going to describe a scenario and I believe this scenario probably happens to all of us. You know, we wake up in the morning and whether it be a Monday or a Saturday or a Sunday, and we, we generally, most people have an idea of what they want to accomplish throughout the day. You know, if it's the weekend, you've got a, a honey-do list or a hubby-do list, and you've got things you've got to get done. If it's a weekday, you've got, got work, you've got quiet time, you've got kids' ball games, you, you've got a number of different things that, that you need to accomplish. And, and then the day moves on, just like life moves on. And then you get towards the end of the day and you're maybe laying in your bed, reading your Bible, reading a magazine, whatever it is that you do at night. And you're, you know me, I kind of evaluate and look, look at what I did throughout the day. I love to-do lists. I always have to-do lists. I always have things I want to accomplish. And you know, sometimes I sit there and I'm like, I didn't even get started. I, I had these goals, I had these objectives, and maybe, maybe it's not a daily thing, maybe it's a life thing. Maybe you set goals and, and, and desires and dreams and purposes for your life, and you know, you know, maybe you wanna get out of debt, maybe you wanna eat, live a healthier lifestyle, maybe you wanna strengthen your marriage, strengthen your relationship with your kids. All these things are great things, and you, you set out to do them, and then months and days and weeks and maybe even years go by and then you kind of look back, you find something that you reminded you of that goal and you look back and you're like, where, where did I get off? I, I'm, no, I'm no better today than I was when I set that goal. And, and generally speaking, the culprit for that is distractions. We, we set goals, we make plans. You know, last week, Pastor Jared talked about living the dream, right? And he asked us the question, um, or he challenged us with, you know, how most of the time you go up to somebody and say, how you doing? And somebody will say, oh, I'm living the dream. And, and he challenged us with the question, are you really? Are you, are you really living the dream? And in, in order to, you know, and he and I had no idea what each of us was going to preach on. And in order to live the dream, I already had this message uh, prepared beforehand. And, it would, and, and it, I think it was a great segue into this message that in order to live the dream, we really have to learn how to live undistracted. Because distractions, church family, are meant to detour us from the plans and the purposes that God has for us. Even, even the good things in life, distractions are, are, are sent. You know, the, the, the thief comes, the enemy, John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. That's the devil's objective. 
And he uses distractions heavily in our lives to get our focus off of what's important. And so just like that scenario that I described, I feel as Christians and as believers, you and I, we have an objective. We have a purpose to do in the earth today. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to blow you away with my intelligence here, okay? Not really. I uh, was an average student, um, really could care less about school most of the time, but thankfully, by God's grace, I passed. Um, but uh, I'm going to define that word distraction, and it's, it's simple. We all know what it means. It's something that distracts. Wow. Pretty, pretty intense, right? Pretty intelligent. I mean, you, you're going to think I'm amazing. No. Um, it's an objective that directs one attention away from something else. It's a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. Now, I'm going to put some number. I'm going to have the guys, they're going to put some numbers up here on the screens. And I, I read these statistics, and quite honestly, they, they shocked me, but they didn't shock me. And what it did do is it caused me to evaluate my own life and how distracted I have become. And if anything, um, pre-COVID or post-COVID, however you want to word it, since this pandemic has begun, and it's, it's basically over, but um, it's, the effects of it are still moving on, I think we as a people have become more distracted than even we were two years ago. Because we're so concerned about what everything, I mean, think about it. In our lives, we, with, with this device, we have access to anybody at any moment, at any time. We can check the news. We can check the weather in any state, in any country. We can check um, any highlight we want to. We can check go, what's going on at, at people we don't even know. We check what's going on in their lives because we follow them on all these social media platforms. And they distract us from what's right in front of us. And so uh, this first number, 10,000, remember that number, 10,000, 10,000, 10,000 hours. This is the number that the average teen or young adult, now I know a lot of you are over that, but we, we are a multi-generational church, so we have a lot of young people in this room. And that is the average, that number is the average that the teen or young adult today spends, mainly guys, I should say guys, spends playing video games before they're 21, 10,000 hours. How, you know, I have a 13-year-old son. I can't tell you how many times I ask him to do something, and you know what the common phrase is that he tells me? Dad, I don't have time. Really? You, you don't have time, but you had time to play that video game, right? 705. 705 hours is how much the average American spends on social media each year. 705 hours. That's 1.93 hours a day. And it, it gets even more staggering. 2,377.5. That is the amount of hours the average American spends in front of the screen every day, whether it be TV, movie, cell phone. I'm not talking about if you work a 10-hour job in front of a computer. I'm not talking about that. The average American, and you may, you may think, well, I don't, I don't spend that. You know, that breaks down to 6.5 hours a day. You may think, oh, I don't spend that much time in front of the TV. And I'm not, and maybe it's not fully atten giving attention to that screen, but is the screen on in the background? Is it continually pulling your attention away? And, and, and how about this one? This one, um, this one really shocked me, but I, 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 it really kind of caused me to think, and I, I can believe it. The average smartphone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. And, and we wonder why we have a problem staying focused. 
because we're, we have many distractions in front of us. Each user is on their phone 2.5 hours a day, not talking, not calling, just looking at the screen. And it goes even further. Millennials are twice that. They're on there about five hours a day. And so this message is not to condemn anybody. I, I want to I put a full disclaimer here that I do not have all this figured out. I, I you know, generally speaking, when a, when a minister or a pastor preaches the word of God, it's always something the Lord is dealing with them on too. And I, I live a life where I have to balance many hats just like you do. And it is so easy to get off course. It is so easy to get distracted because we have access to so much. You know, distractions, um, you know, sometimes we welcome them because they offer, um, they offer us a way to kind of escape from reality, right? And, and you know, vacation, that's a perfect example. It, it, a vac- I'm, an, I'm a full advocate for vacations. I love vacations. If I could vacation 51 out of 52 weeks of the year, I would do it. But I haven't been able to figure that out yet. But vacations are a blessing, and they're, they're necessary for our own spiritual health, our personal health, our relational health with our family and our kids. Amen? Say you're going to take a vacation. I'm going to take a vacation, Right? Vacations are a blessing, and so sometimes distractions offer us uh, an escape from reality. Sometimes they provide us a fun narrative for a story. You know, sometimes they, they just keep us really from moving forward altogether. I have, there's a running joke in my family with my son, my oldest son, who turned 13 a couple few weeks ago, and uh, he's not here this morning, and I don't have to give him 20 bucks like Pastor Barry, because I've not made that deal with my kids. So, um, but uh, uh, one, one, uh, a, com- a common joke that we make in our family, if we tell him to do more than one thing, neither of them is going to get accomplished. So if we move up to two, if I tell him, hey, go pick up the trash in the yard and go feed the dog, an hour will go by, I'm like, hey, did you pick up the trash in the yard? No, you, you didn't tell me to do that. Uh, yeah, did you feed the dog? No, no. And he's off doing something else. Why? Because distractions crept in. I can remember one time as a new parent, and maybe I've shared this story before, but I was easily distracted. And we had two kids at the time, and we're at Walmart, and my wife needed to go in and go shopping. And I'm, I'm the dad. I'm like, I'll just stay in the car with the kids, right? And my, my youngest, or my middle daughter was um, maybe three-ish at the time. And so we go, she goes into Walmart, and then all of a sudden my daughter turns to me, Daddy, I gotta go potty. Daddy, I got to go potty. And I'm like, no, Addie, you don't. No, Addie, you don't. And all of a sudden, all these things flow through my mind. And I know mothers, you know what to do here. But dads, let's just give it up. We don't know. And I've got my son and I've got my daughter. Okay, do I leave my young son in the van by himself? Do I take him in? Do I let my daughter, my three-year-old go into the bathroom by herself? Do, do I take her into the men's bathroom? What, what do I do? And I'm distracted by all these things. And she's like, Daddy, I got to go potty now. And I'm like, okay, we're, let's go. So we run into Walmart. I take her into the restroom. I put her into the stall. I stand outside the stall. I'm like, okay, honey, do your business. Let's, let's get done here and let's get out. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice on the other side of the stall and I didn't think anything of it because I'm distracted. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, the entrance into the bathroom, this lady pops her head in there. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm in the men's restroom. Why are you coming in here? And she exits real fast. And she comes back in again and looks. And then she exits. And then about 30 seconds later, I mean, it felt like an hour. But 30 seconds later, this other woman comes in there. And I'm like, what are all these women coming into the men's restroom for? I'm like, Addie, you need to hurry up. Something's off here. We need to go. And then all of a sudden, I remember that voice I heard in the stall. That wasn't a man's voice. And then I know in men's restrooms, they have urinals, right? And so 
I peek around the corner and I'm like, there's no urinals in here. I'm like, Addie, you need to hurry up. We need to get out of this bathroom immediately. Addie, hurry up. Daddy, don't rush me. But how many times in our lives do distractions, we get distracted and we end up somewhere where we don't want to be, right? I did not want to be in the women's restroom with my daughter. And so then we get out of the restroom and Addie's like, hey, let's go find mommy. And I'm like, no, we are getting out of this store immediately because I can already hear crazy man on aisle three, uh, you know, whoever, Walmart associates coming and barrel rolling me and tackling me into the ground for being some weirdo in the women's restroom, but distractions do that. They, they get us off course. Carrie Ten Boom once said this. She said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. You see, both sin and busyness, they have the same effect. They cut off our connection to God and to other people and even to our own soul. Jesus addresses this in Matthew 13, verse 22. Jesus says, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. You know, this is the parable of the sower. Jesus is teaching here and he's, you know, there were several soils and we're, we're, we're looking at one this morning about the, the, the person who hears the word and he has thorny soil and the cares, the distractions, the deceitfulness of riches, they come in and they choke that word of God right out of us. And what, what's the result of that? It causes us to become unfruitful. I would challenge each of us this morning that are there areas in our lives that are not producing fruit? Maybe it's because we're distracted. Maybe it's because our attention has been taken off of what it's supposed to be on and it's been put over on to something else. If you would, if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to look at that here real quick. Ephesians chapter 5, and Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus here, and the verse will be on the screen, and Paul says, he's encouraging the church here, he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Would, would, would everyone agree with me that we live in some pretty evil times, right? You know, even when Paul was writing to, this, to the church of Ephesus, the, the days were pretty evil. And verse 17 goes on to say this. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. To walk circumspectly means to walk cautiously, being sensitive as a person who would walk through thorny terrain. Church, we need to be on guard because everywhere we go, every place we turn, distractions are set to trip us up. They're there to ensnare us. They're there to keep us from living that dream, from keeping, from keeping us to moving forward in our life. Paul also said, he said, redeem the time. And redeeming the time, what that means, that's capitalizing on every appropriate opportunity. Redeeming the time is being present when you are present. You know, this is something I struggle with terribly. And, and, it, and it all boils down to distractions at work, whether it's at work, uh, even here at church and ministry, at home. I have to remind myself, okay, where I'm present, I need to be present. You know, I lead people in business and there's times where the last thing I want to do is talk to somebody. And my, I, I've got some staff even in here and they know this. And, I, and I'm busy and, and I'm, I'm not present. I'm there, but I'm not there. Redeeming the time is being there. And we need to be there. We need to be present. All of us do. 
You know, Pastor Jared, last week, he talked about kind of a bird's eye view of living the dream and following those purposes and plans that God has for our lives and allowing those dreams to be birthed within us. Today, I'm gonna submit to you that each of us, we all have two purposes in life that are exactly the same. Every single one of us, every believer, every Christian, we all have two things that are exactly the same and distractions are in this life that the devil provides us to provides us the opportunity to be distracted to take us away from these two purposes. And these two purposes allow us to redeem the time. That verse we just read in Ephesians verse 17, it says, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Very simply, these are two things that is the will of God for our lives. It's one, to know God more. You know, we sang that song, Jesus. Jesus. I I don't think you can say the name of Jesus over and over and over and over again and not have a smile on your face. I understand we, some of us in here may be going through some difficult things. We may be distracted by some things that are, that are relevant to the struggles in our lives. I'm not discounting those at all, but I do know that that distraction is set to destroy God's purpose in your life. That distraction is in place to take you from somewhere where you want to be to somewhere where you don't want to be. And we have to live on guard for that. We have to live undistracted. The second purpose that every believer has is to make him known. Repeat after me. I need to know God and I need to make him known. Those are our purposes. Every one of us in this room, we need to know God and we need to make him known. And you're going to hear me say that over and over again in this message. You know, this, those two concepts echo Jesus's teachings all throughout scripture. We see, um, these aren't going to be up on the screen. We're not going to read the verses. But in Matthew 4, 19, Jesus says, come, follow me. In Matthew 22, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, know God and make him known. Some of Jesus's final words were to teach them to do all the things that I have told you in Matthew 28, 20. We have an objective church and we need to to, to get to know God more. We need to get to know Jesus more. And this world desperately, desperately needs Jesus. But if we are so distracted in our lives that we forget our purpose is to know God and to make him known, how can we make a difference in this world? Everywhere we go, we need to know Jesus. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12 with me, and I'm going um, to show a, a short video here, if the sound guys could get it ready, and um, I'm going to show a short video of a race, but first I'm going to read Hebrews 12. I'm sorry. Let me read Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer here, he is describing the Christian life as a race. And he's encouraging us that we need to throw aside those weights, those sins, those things, those distractions that trip us up, that ensnare us and keep us from running that race. Church family, every person in here, you have a race to run. Every person in here has a race to run. Now, I'm a, um, here recently, my wife and I, um, 
we're blessed with the opportunity to buy some horses. We moved out in the country a little over a year ago. I am a novice when it comes to horse knowledge, okay? I know nothing. Um, I know they cost me a lot of money, and they require a lot of work, and I know this, that they don't like me yet. Uh, my wife was out of town all week visiting family, and so who had the job of taking care of the horses? It was me. I saw the rear of the horses way more than I ever saw the front. And every time I went out there in the pasture, feed them, give them snacks, brush them, whatever it was, they took off running. Now, fast forward to my wife getting home on Friday night, and they bolted towards the, the, literally, she opened the door, she closed the door, and those horses took off running towards her. So, as you can, with that illustration, I know nothing. But this thing I do know about horses and horse racing, I personally like horse racing. Now, I'm not endorsing gambling or anything like that. I don't do any of that. But when those horses' hoofs just hit the, hit the track, it's just, a, it's a thrilling to me. And, um, you know, I do know this about horses is they put blinders on the horses. And they put blinders on horses because horses can see about 350 degrees with their eyes. That's pretty phenomenal. And they are flight animals, they get easily distracted. And so whenever they sense prey, whenever they sense a novice like me who doesn't know what they're doing, whenever they can see that or they get, they get easily distracted, they bolt and take off. But that's not going to go good if you're racing horses. And uh, we're going to, let's look at this clip here real quick and um, we'll talk a little bit more about it. He had to make his way through the field of 19 other horses all the way from the back. If you watch the entire race, this guy wasn't even a this horse wasn't even in consideration. He was on the he was in the back of the back. He was the last. He, you could hear the announcer. The, he wasn't even on the announcer's radar, and he's moving up, passing all of these horses and navigating. It goes on. Or there's more um, that's quite uh, quite intriguing. He lost his previous six races and had only won one other race in his career. His jockey, Sonny Leon, had never been to the Kentucky Derby. His trainer, Eric Reed, had never been, had, had never had a horse in the Kentucky Derby. His trainer, Eric Reed, tragically lost nearly two dozen horses in a horse fire just a few years prior to this. Rich Strike, and get this, Rich Strike was purchased for $30,000. Yet he won one of the greatest races of all time. And that, that I, I, I use that as an illustration this morning because you know what, church, no matter where you start, no matter what we face, I can only imagine the amount of distractions that that trainer, that that jockey, that they had to overcome. They're entering into the race last minute. They, they, they were hoping and dreaming for that, but did they really believe it was going to happen? I don't know. But I do know this, that nobody, the odds were 80 to 1. If you don't know horse stuff, that's not good, Okay. That's not good at all. And maybe what's going on in your life today is not good. Maybe the odds are stacked against you 80 to 1. Maybe you look at those dreams and those purposes that you have and you continue to get distracted. You continue to get derailed. You continue to get ensnared just like Hebrews chapter 12 talked about and it trips you up. I'm here to tell you this morning that just as uh, in, in Hebrews 12 verse 1 it says, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I can remember a race that I ran when I was a kid. Well, it wasn't really a race. It was PE, and uh, we had to run the mile, right? I don't know if they do that anymore. Um, I was a heavy teenager. I was nearly 300 pounds, so I was not in shape to run a mile. I run all the time now. I love it. It's enjoyable to me. I, I, do, it, I do about five or six times a week, but back then, 
Running was the furthest thing from my mind. And I can remember this one time we had to run the mile, and I was talking to a friend of mine who's a star athlete, good, good at track, setting records, really tall, really thin. He could bolt past anyone. And I told him, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this mile without stopping. That, I had never done that before. Again, I was 300 pounds. I, 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 I'm, buddy, I'm going to run this mile without stopping. And he's like, okay, you can do it. And he's cheering me on. And then we get to the track, and I start. And I immediately want to stop. I immediately want to start walking because we could walk or run then if, you know, we were supposed to give our best. But I wanted to keep, I wanted to run. That was my goal. But my body's telling me, no, you ain't doing this, son. Right? And so all these distractions start flowing into my mind. And then all of a sudden I look around and I realize I'm the last one on the track. All my, the rest of my class had finished. But then all of a sudden I hear somebody coming up from behind me. And it was my friend. And he had, he had already passed me laps ago. He was the first one then. And he saw me struggling, and he came up behind me. And you know what he did? He stopped to my pace, which was probably a walk to him, but it was a run to me. And he sat there, and he cheered me on, and he said, Guy, you can do this. Don't quit. You've got this, buddy. You've got this. You can do this. You can run this race. I believe in you. And he was cheering me on because he knew what my goal was. He knew what I desired to do. He knew that I wanted to run that race without walking or that that mile. Again, it wasn't a race. In my mind, it was a race, but that mile. And you know what he did? I still had a little over two laps left to go. And he stayed with me the whole time. And still to this day, I remember that moment. Because he was willing to cheer me on. Church family, you've got people who have already finished their race that are in heaven cheering you on. You've got pastors in this church that are cheering you on. You've got brothers and sisters that are sitting right next to you. Let's be about God's business, knowing God and and making him known more. You know how you make people, you know how you make God known more? By cheering people on in their race that they're called to run. Every single one of us have different races. Every single one of us, we all have different callings. We all have different visions. We all have different dreams. I was telling Pastor Jared on Wednesday night where my family's going for vacation in Western North Dakota. And he's like, are you crazy? Who goes? I've been in Western North Dakota. There's nothing in Western North Dakota. Exactly. That's why I want to go to Western North Dakota and go on vacation. But that may not be desirable to him, but it is to me and my family. And every single one of us have different things and different dreams and different goals that we are called to live but we're all supposed to make him known and to know him more. And in order to do this, we need blinders. Just like those horses had blinders, we need blinders. So in the time that we have left, we're gonna discuss three blinders that I believe will help each of us run our race undistracted. Because in Hebrews, it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, having our, that word looking means our undivided attention, our focus, everything we do, everywhere we go needs to be on Jesus, excuse me, Jesus. The first blinder is we need to understand purpose. We need to understand purpose. If we understand purpose for whatever it is that we're engaged in in this life, we will live undistracted. If we don't understand purpose or if we have no purpose for whatever we're doing, you're going to constantly be tossed back and forth and back and forth and you're going to be constantly defeated and, and, and discouraged and, and maybe even depressed or angry, frustrated, whatever the case may be. But we need to understand purpose. In Luke chapter 10, 
Verse 25, there's a, a story here that Jesus uh, is, is trying to get across to a certain lawyer. And it says here in verse 25, and it says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I want to stop there because really this, this should be our end goal, shouldn't it? That's a place where you say yes or amen. This, as believers, as Christ followers, as disciples, this should be our end goal. Above any dream, above any desire, above any goal, above anything that we set off to do, our desire should be to inherit eternal life. If we do, are not living with that focus in mind, we're not really living. Our end goal should be to inherit eternal life. And so verse 26, Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus agreed, and he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. There, there's those points again that Jesus has agreed. The, the, the lawyer said the points. Jesus agreed with it because he was quoting scripture of the law, that you shall love the Lord your God with everything in you, and your neighbor as yourself. We need to know God and we need to make him known. Verse 29, but he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring, oil, pouring on oil and wine, and he sent him on, set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave him to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him. And whatever you spend, when I come, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Jesus is giving us this teaching, and this lawyer is asking him, what, what's, what's the point of this life? What's, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is emphasizing a point here. And you can see here that the religious man, the priest, and the Levite, they ignored this person who was in need. And we don't, the Bible doesn't say exactly why, but it says they passed by him on the other side. They stayed as far away from him as they possibly could. You know, we could conclude that they were probably busy. They had an agenda. You know, the priests of the day, they had a lot of things to accomplish, right? Just like we do today. But when, when you understand purpose and that people are priority, when you understand the purpose for whatever the journey is that God has for you, you don't miss opportunities to make him known. You don't miss opportunities to, to help people. Now, if let's put this in today's terms. Let's say you're on a cruise ship and you're on vacation or you're out in a boat in the lake and somebody's drowning and you've got a life preserver right there. Are you gonna hang on to that preserver and keep it for yourself? Are you gonna acknowledge that person in need and throw it out to them and, and give them what they need? Yet how many times in our own lives do we miss the purpose of the journey? the road that we're traveling. We miss out on the purposes that God has for us. Every day is, has, a, has a purpose, every day. It may not be the big purpose that we're shooting for, but every day there's a purpose. There's something that God wants you to accomplish. And every day, 
There's distractions to take us away from that purpose. Every day we walk by people that need what we have. It's evident, church family. It's evident the news we watch, the horror stories we read of school shootings and all this garbage that's going on in the world because we live in a distracted world that needs Jesus. But yet how many times are we as Christians so busy and I'm preaching to myself, I'm preaching to myself, we're so busy that we miss out on the opportunities to know God and to make God known. And this Samaritan, he wasn't a liked person. He didn't care because he knew that that person needed help. And you know, how does, how does understanding purpose flesh out in, in our own life? And you know, here recently, my wife and I, we went on a trip um, in October to Moab, and it was a place we always wanted to go, and I wanted to do some off-roading and some UTV riding, and so we went with a couple friends of ours, and uh, leading up to this trip, um, we were excited, planning our activities, doing the thing, you know, all that we were going to do, the restaurants we were going to visit, the, the national parks we were going to see, the hiking we were going to do, we, we were figuring out all that natural stuff we wanted to do, but even above that, my wife and I, we both journaled and we both sat down and we, we were praying for opportunity to be Jesus and Christ to anyone we came in contact with. And we set out on that trip with our couple friends with more than just natural goals in mind. We wanted to be a blessing to our, our friends. We wanted to encourage one another. We wanted to pray. We wanted to worship. We wanted to be an encouragement to people. And so everywhere we were going for weeks leading up to this trip, we were praying, Lord, use us. Lord, use us. Lord, open up doors so that we can be a blessing to others. You know, there was a period in my own Christian life where I prayed more for blessings for me than I prayed for blessings for other people. I have since graduated above that. And you know what? I am more concerned today about being a blessing than being blessed because I know I understand the purpose of my life. I understand the purpose that God has for me. And no matter how difficult the season, I want to be a blessing. And so we go on this trip, and we're having a blast. We're just having a ton of fun. But every person we, were, we came in touch with, we engaged in conversation with. Of my buddy and I, we went on a UTV excursion, and, and I got to drive, and I about killed us. Um, seriously, and I'm not, I, I literally, we had a tour guide. She was 22, 22, 23 years old. I could not keep up with her. I was embarrassed. And we were on the beginner run, okay? And I'm not ashamed to admit that. But the beginner run, the first entrance into the, the park where we were going was literally an incline like this, sheer drop-offs on each side. The rock that we're traveling on is just as wide as the UTV itself. Literally, the mirror, if I was a half an inch closer to the right side of me around turns, and I would, I would crash into the mountain. It was scary, Okay, my buddy's laughing at me, trying to record me and just cracking his head off. But, um, but we had a purpose. And so we stopped and through this trail and we're engaged in conversation where she's sharing her life story with us. We're sharing our life story with her. She's, we're encouraging her because she was just lost. She had no idea what she wanted to do, where she wanted to go. She had just picked up and moved from another state and just planted herself right there in Utah. That same afternoon, my wife and her friend were souvenir shopping. It was towards the end of our trip, and they're looking for souvenirs for family and friends, and all of a sudden, they turn, and they see this girl that just looks horrible. You could see it all over her face. Most of us will see that, and we'll just move on. I normally see that and move on. But they turned, and they went over to her and said, excuse me, ma'am, can we pray for you? And of course, her eyes were like, are you guys weirdos? No. No. 
can we pray for you? And you know what? They prayed for her. They led her to the Lord. That's, that's what understanding purpose. Go have fun. Do life. Travel the journey that God has for you. Make plans. Dream big. Have purpose. But understand what that purpose is. I, I, I came up with this quote, and it may be confusing, but life is not about what we are doing. It is about what we are doing while we are doing what we are doing. Anybody else confused there? Life is not about what we are just doing day in and day out. It is about what we're doing while we're doing what we're doing. Because every single one of us have seasons of life we would love to forget. But what are we doing within those seasons? Are we making God known and are we knowing him more? That's our objective in every season of life, in every purpose of life. We need to be focused and understand the purpose. You know, every step takes time. And you can't just, you know, if I had a 10-foot ladder here, you couldn't just go start from the bottom and jump all the way up to the top, right? Every step has a purpose. Everything you do, God has a reason and God can use it. Every step. Number two, we need to understand priorities. And for sake of time, I'm not going to read this entire portion of scripture because a lot of us have heard it. You can go home and read it. But Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34, it's a wonderful portion of scripture. And Jesus is teaching here and he says, therefore, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. How many times are the worries of this world what distracts us? You know, cost of living is flying through the roof, right? We all know that. We're all experiencing that. But did you know God's bigger than that? We don't have to be distracted by those things. We don't have to be concerned about those things. Yes, we, we, we navigate that wisely. We're not foolish. We're not careless. It's not what Jesus is talking here. But he's saying, do not give your full attention to the worries of this life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, where you will live. And he talks about the birds and the, the lilies of the field and how God takes care of them. Won't God take care of you? Let's go to verse 31. It says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And when you and I, church, when we have an understanding of priorities in our lives, when we know that when we make God first and everything else second, it's easier to live undistracted. But when we're so focused on all the details of life, you know, I, um, I'm sure a lot of dads and parents can relate. People say, oh, you know, if my wife's gone, oh, it's your turn to babysit the kids. No, I'm not babysitting my kids. I love my kids because I understand my kids are not an inconvenience because I understand this purpose, this season has a purpose and it's to parent my children. And maybe you can't do everything you want to do because you're in that season. Or maybe it's challenging. Maybe you want to pull your hair out. That's really why I keep my hair short. It's because I can't pull my hair out. But maybe that season is difficult. But if you understand the priorities of the season, that Jesus is first, everything else second, it doesn't matter if we put God's work first in our life. Our lives are like a container. And, and in our container, we have so much time and every day, right? And we can either fill those things up with the things of the Lord, or we can fill them up with the things of this world. And Jesus is here, and he's like, he, he knows that you have to balance both. He understands that. And he says, if you put me first, 
all other things will be taken care of. You know, we, I bet each of us have said, if I just had more time. Anybody in here ever said that? If I, if I just had another hour in the day, you know what? That would do us no good because all it would do is allow us another opportunity to get distracted. That's all it would do. We would find something else to fill that time than the stuff that really matters. You know, uh, I know it can be challenging to sit down and read our Bibles and have devotions and quiet times, but you know, church, it really shouldn't be. You know, Pastor Donnie talked this morning at the end of worship about how we complicate this Christian life. We complicate this life that we're living, and it's really simple. Spend time with Jesus. When we make Jesus a priority, it's amazing how everything else just happens. I, I, I challenge you in your life, if things are unfruitful, if things are difficult, I challenge you, put, put the Lord first in your day. Put the Lord first on your way to work. Put, your Lord, put the Lord first when you're with your children, when you're on vacation, when you're doing life. Put Jesus first. Have your focus be fully on him. And I guarantee you, he will perform his word. And you'll look and you'll be like, how in the world did I accomplish so much? How in the world did everything take care of itself? It's called God. When our objective is to know him and to make him known, don't you think God's going to make sure you're taken care of? When our objective is to bless others, don't you think, sure, don't you think that God's going to make sure you're taken care of so you're able to bless others? And I know usually we think about that financially, but I'm not, I'm not even referencing finances there. I'm talking about our lives. With our life, church, we have more than enough to give people. If we have Jesus and that's it, that's all we need. Amen? Because we understand priorities. And the last blinder that I believe we as a church we need is we need to understand perspective. And I love Paul. I love reading Paul's letters to churches. And, and uh, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And here in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. Verse 16, therefore, do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, Church, I, whatever you're going through, it may seem like an eternity, but it's a moment. If you look at Paul's life, Paul lived the dream, right? Paul left us an example. Paul was an amazing man of God. He was a heathen turned Christian. And he's saying here, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Church, this morning, I want to encourage us all. Our perspective needs to be on eternity. And, and I say that with, I, I know that statement I just made didn't sound very joyful, but I say that with a lot of excitement and a lot of passion because what we are doing today is for eternal things in the future. 
We as Christians, it is an exciting time to live. It's an exciting time to be alive. We have to live undistracted. We have to throw aside all these distractions that are trying to pull our attention and stop us from being Christ followers, stop us from being disciples of of the Lord. You see, faith chooses to believe God's word above the evidence of the senses, knowing that natural circumstances are to be kept subject to the word of God. Faith is not denying the circumstances. It is believing God's testimony and living in agreement with it. Church family, as I, as, as I close, I want to, I want to go back to that, that race that we watched and that race, that mile run that I described. You're here on purpose and you are qualified for the race that God has called you to run. I do not know what that race is. I do not know how that race looks. And you know what? The great thing about races, I personally have never won a race first place. You know, what that horse did was phenomenal. To come out of the backfield like that and be 20 horses behind and surpass the the hot shot horses that everybody was sure was going to win, that was phenomenal. But you know the great thing about races and the great thing about the race of, of this Christian life that we live, first place isn't our goal. First place isn't our goal. We're not competing against one another. We're not comparing ourselves. Comparing is is a distraction. Competition is a distraction. As the body of Christ, as Christ followers, if we all have the goal to make him known and to know him more, we're all crossing that finish line. And it doesn't matter if you're in the back of the race, the middle of the pack, or at the front. All that matters, like I tell my children all the time, is I don't care win or lose. All I care is that you do your best. And that's all the Lord cares, is that you do your best. And you may feel like you're not even supposed to be in the race today. You may feel like you want to quit the race. You may feel like you want to change races. You may feel like you want to throw in the towel and just, I'm done. I want to encourage you, friends, understand the purpose for whatever it is in whatever season of life that you're in and whatever it is that you're facing. Understand the priorities and gain some fresh perspective. It doesn't matter if you're hard-pressed on every side. It doesn't matter if you feel crushed or weighed down. It is but for a moment because we look to Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. I want to thank you for your Uh, undivided attention this morning and I really pray this message encourages you and strengthens your heart to run the race that God has for you to live life undistracted parent with purpose lead your businesses with purpose minister in the church with purpose go shopping with purpose go on vacation with purpose and even if it's challenging Move forward with purpose. The race that God has for you is not a mistake, friends. It is not a mistake. And you are not done. I don't know who needs to hear that, but you are not done. And as I was praying last night, late into the evening, it, something that keep came into my, come into my heart that I feel like I need to, uh, to end on is the word regret. I feel like regret is a distraction that derails us more than any of us would like to admit. And having regret and living with regret are two different things. 
We're all going to do things and mess up that we regret, but we don't have to live with that. And whoever you are, if that regret continues to hold you back and stop you from moving forward in God's plan for your life, let it go this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here and you can say, Pastor Guy, you know, I, I've been distracted. I have not been running this race that I need to be running. And today I want to make a decision. I'm going to pull my focus off of those distractions and I'm going to put them over on to Jesus. If that's you, I just ask you just raise your hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Hands all over the place. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to pray for each of you that, that lifted your hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this body of believers. Lord, I thank you so much for the impact that they have everywhere they go. Lord, you saw those hands and those hearts that have been living with distraction. Lord, right now, whatever those things are that have been pulling their attention away from you, Lord, I pray that you'll just bring those to their heart this morning. Lord, that you'll encourage them within that, that they don't need a, a, a get help plan. They just need to look to you. Lord, every day from here on, I pray that each of us in this room will get to know you more. And Lord, everywhere we go, work, the marketplace, the church, the streets, everywhere we go, Lord, we will make you known. Lord, we as a church, we decide this morning to live undistracted. Lord, I know that you have dreams, you have plans and purposes for every one of us in this room. Lord, I thank you that you are able to bring those to pass. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this church this week. Lord, cause them to be a blessing everywhere they go. In your mighty name we prayed. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.